and welcome to How to Grow a Pod, the podcast about podcasting from the book How to Start and Grow a Successful Podcast by me, Jilly Smith. This is where you'll find the almost unedited interviews by the pioneers of podcasting, the hobbyists and the pros who feature in the book. This week, James Ramsden from the Kitchen is on Fire podcast on not trying too hard, having a bit of a ramble with your best mate and getting on to new and noteworthy anyway. He told me how it started. Um, my business partner and podcast co-host and I had uh, been, you know, running the supper club that I'd founded together for uh, maybe maybe six months or a year. So, you know, once a week we'd get together and spend all day cooking and um, then in the evening obviously do the supper club. And he, he just got into podcasts and it was, you know, cliched as it is, that was like a new thing. Oh, I mean, this is 2014. So, yeah. you know. No, was it even earlier? 2013, maybe. Anyway, you know, podcasts were kind of pretty novel. And so while we were cooking away, we'd listen to a podcast. Um, back then it was, you know, Harmontown we listened to a lot of, the Smodcast. I mean, various other, like, all white American dudes um, rabbiting on about nonsense. And I thought, well, we can rabbit on about nonsense quite well, um, or at least thought we could. So we set up our own in sort of late... 2014 um and And did it feel sort of accessible was that one of the reasons that you kind of decided to do it did it feel like well actually not just that we can do this sort of chatter between two people but also that you could work the tech uh yeah well sam's more tech savvy than i am on the sort of recording front having been in a band and whatnot and um the podcasts we enjoyed were relatively unedited anyway, so it wasn't like, you know, Sam still spends quite a lot of time cutting out ums and ahs and sort of clicks and pops, but in terms of the content, you know, we didn't want to cut too much because it wanted to feel like a natural conversation. And, you know, I think the kind of that genre of podcast um, people really enjoy, just feeling like they're listening in on a conversation as opposed to an interview. And to start with, uh, we, you know, we didn't even do interviews. It was it was later on that we started getting guests. Wow! So we, so you would do what an hour of a of a just a chat? Yeah, and we were a bit more structured to start with. Not structured, but we would write. You know, all have well, both have a list of notes and things we wanted to talk about, and try to be a little bit more professional and I guess journalistic about it. Uh, but quite quickly became clear that w- what worked best for us, if not listeners, was um, just just have a chat and sort of take each topic as it comes, which is why I suppose it came a bit more freeform and veered away from just being about food. Yeah. And it has a format, having said that. Um, is that something that came later, the sort of the 15 minutes of sort of chat between the two of you and then into the guest interview? Yeah, we... So back in the day, we used to get a guest every now and again. Um, and that was always f- quite fun, but sometimes a bit tricky. If, you know, often we didn't know them and they would turn up at my house, which is where we used to record it. And it could be a little bit awkward, and sometimes you'd think, God, how are we going to get through an hour with this person? Any less felt kind of a bit a, a, bit, a bit short. So um, we we never totally loved those episodes, or, uh, or certainly didn't always love them. But quite so several years after this, we're now into sort of early 2018, and we had an office in town, so we thought, well, it's easier to get guests into town as opposed to dragging them out to Hackney. And we just thought, well, why don't we... We'll get a, we'll get a guest every episode, 
Um, but we don't want to lose the one-on-one chat between ourselves, so we'll always do a sort of intro where we'll bugger on about whatever and then and then have the guest. And that kind of works. Because there were plenty, plenty of listeners would say, oh, you know, we like the bits with you guys, we don't need the guests. So, and there are plenty of people who I'm sure don't want to hear me and Sam talking nonsense for half an hour, so they just skip straight on to... So it kind of ticks all the boxes in a in a accidental sort but, of way. But the nice thing about a, a sort of a format is that the listener does know what's coming up, yeah. and the whole point of podcasting is that you get a regular listener. So your guest, you'd play a game with your guest, wouldn't you? We've yeah, we've always done games from you know back in the day when we were very rookie. We'd even do silly games, which are sort of based around cryptic restaurant dishes and you know I remember getting Susan Ray who's a BBC Radio 4 announcer doing a load of intros to our games like the Joey Tribbiani recipe conundrum Uh, and then yeah more recently that's become a bit more formalised like at the end of every interview even with a guest who's been quite sort of intimidating and maybe not as as jokey jokey as we are (laughs) to suddenly switch into saying right you're going to play overrated underrated correctly rated or um you know the quick fire where we'll just say an ingredient or a restaurant or a dish, and um, you know the the um, the interviewee, I suppose the, the guest has to sort of give their gut reaction to it. Um, and it's quite a fun way of getting. And sometimes actually Sam will drop the games in quite early on if we feel they need warming up. Um, yeah, and it always works, doesn't it? The get the game because then people are taking it themselves out of that kind of. Um, an intimidating process for them as well um i was just talking to ollie Mann this morning about how he on the week unwrapped you know he'd be talking to quite serious journalists but print journalists and they feel really uncomfortable so he would take them to the uh the basement room where they kept the photocopiers because that kind of confounds the situation discombobulates yeah. them so that they become less aware of who they are and less sort of performance orientated and just kind of responding in the moment yeah was that the idea of the game for them as well i can't remember i, I think uh, sam and i are quite good at, like reverse engineering reasons for why we did things i think we just thought oh let's let's do a quick fire quiz you know and just make people have to express themselves without thinking too hard about it so i suppose yeah. I know, subconsciously yeah that was the point at that time, there weren't that many foodie podcasts around. Do you think that you were able to build a community quite quickly because of that sort of gap in the market? Was it quite sort of, did you have your community to build it too? Or uh, how did it work Not, to build that community? I don't really know. It's it, Our community's kind of evolved over the years because when we started, obviously we didn't have the restaurant. And um, so we, it was less kind of, chefy and you know now it, there's definitely a sense that a lot of industry people listen to our podcast which they they certainly didn't start with it was probably more people who followed one or the other of us on twitter were interested in the food i was writing about or the music sam was playing you know it took us a long time to build up you know we're still a relatively small cult i think is the euphemism pod- podcast but um it wasn't really until we started getting regular guests that we suddenly noticed our numbers going up considerably. And um, so, again, we really have never been tactical or had any strategy to growing our community. It's just sort of, 
we quite like to sit down and talk nonsense to each other so we just thought in a slightly solipsistic way let's record it and let other people listen to it and see who enjoys it yeah there was a point a sweet spot obviously which you reached which got you onto new and noteworthy what was that point what had you done to get there Oh, I, do, I mean, that's just... <laughs> Did you even know that you were on New Year's Well, that was a long time ago, though. How can you see that? Well, can I we... mean, you're on it now, occasionally. And, oh, are I mean, we? Not that I go and check in. Well, I don't. I mean, I, I, you're yeah, on maybe... the iTunes front page. Right. And you, I th- you've been on the carousel, haven't you? Yeah, we uh, occasionally. But I, again, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that we don't care. It's just that uh, it's, it's quite low on our list of sort of day-to-day priorities, sort of checking in on our stats, so... Um, I think I don't. I mean, I have no idea how iTunes algorithms sort of work. Um, but I know that sort of if we have guests who are of particular interest at a certain time or or a topic. So you know, having Will Beckett on right at the beginning of all this to talk about you know the impact of COVID nineteen on restaurants. You know, I imagine that sort of thing gets you quite a big bump. Um, but I don't quite understand how it all works yeah and it's interesting isn't it because you do actually have to check in and it doesn't have anything to do with your analytics so you can check your analytics on your own website and see how you're doing but itunes won't reveal that it'll just reveal peaks yeah when um spikes as they call them um so when there is a a spike in listening um you might have a very good guest or you might have done a lot of socialing around that guest or that guest might have retweeted it and got a lot of following yeah do you do a lot of that socialing stuff or is that sam's domain we uh between us do the instagram which is basically just posting each episode or twice a week at the moment episode and then and put it on Twitter, and that's about it. You know, we don't do much else. Again, like, I'd love to be better at this, but um, it feels like... But would you? I mean, would you? I, I mean, isn't that just, like, too much high, like hard work? Yeah, and I just feel like our attention is, should be on our business, and this is, like, a bit of fun on the side. And if, you know, I suppose if our staff <laughs> see, see us spending 80% of our time on social pushing the podcast and... 15% nonsense, you know, speaking nonsense about whatever, and then 5% talking about the restaurant, then they would start to wonder where our priorities were as well. But yeah, I, I'm quite, I, you know, we're quite happy just to let it roll and see, see what happens. Yeah. You mentioned feedback that your guests, your, your listeners get in touch with you and say they like this or something else. Mm. How, how do they do that? Do they do that on Twitter or Instagram? Bit of both, just occasionally. I, I mean, I can't, off the top of my head, can't even think of one, but I, every now and again I'll just get a tweet from someone that will, uh, like, reference an episode from five years ago, and I know that's what they're talking about. And there was one really recently, I thought, how funny, that must have been, like, a 2014 episode, and it was a joke about whatever it was. And that's quite nice. And it, it is sort of, you know, however small our audience is, it's nice to know there are people who definitely kind of check in with every episode and have a sort of encyclopedic memory of all the crap we've talked about yeah um guests are crucial to you and to the success of the show um how do you get them uh i bother them on twitter or instagram usually i mean most of the time i'll know them you know tangentially or other way i mean almost in all cases if it's because they're part of the food industry that you're yeah, in yeah or even you know well just alex andreu who, who's a journalist who we had on a few weeks ago 
Um, you know, we've for, for whatever reason have followed one another on Twitter since I can remember being on Twitter. Um, certainly within the food world, it, it's a, it's an easier get because you just say, "Well, you're a food person. We do a food podcast. Do you want to have a chat?" Um, it's persuading the sort of non-food people who I'm just interested in talking to. Um, so there was an editor, I probably won't name them, but an editor of a sort of high profile, um, news, um, website or whatever we might call them these days, who we followed one another and I approached them and they were up for it, but also kind of a bit confused because they thought, well, you're a food podcast. Why do you want to talk to me? And I just thought, well, you know, there's a global pandemic going on and you're editing a news website. It'd be quite interesting to have a chat, but, um, you know, those are always a bit more tricky and to try and you know, you don't want them to feel like you just want to talk about what they cook at home, but equally you kind of feel like if we just spend an hour talking about something unrelated to food, you're kind of alienating most of the audience. Yeah. Tell me about sponsorship, monetization, that part of it. How important is that to you? Not very. I mean, a bit of extra lucre is always nice, obviously, but, um, you know, again, we haven't, pushed that side of things very much you know essentially our only sponsor is a wine company run by some mates and uh, you know and we sort that's a fairly symbiotic arrangement it's not like they're dropping um checks in our in our mailbox every week but um you know if if if, if you want to you know if you want to make money from your podcast sponsorship is about the only way to do it unless you're my dad wrote a porno and you're doing, you know, selling out the Sydney Opera House. So um, it is very important if that's going to be your living. But at the moment... Well, it's not necessarily, because a lot of people use it to um, up their authority in yeah. their place in the in the business. They become the expert on whatever they do. Yeah, sure. Guest posting. Yeah. There's lots and lots and lots of different ways. That symbiotic relationship is quite an interesting one. Um uh, I use uh, bookshops, for example. I use independent bookshops um, for uh, my Cooking the Books podcast. Right, yeah. And that's really interesting because they have mailing lists. Bookshops have mailing lists. And in fact, I got this idea through one of these interviews with Matt Hill, um, Ollie Mann's producer. Um, and he said that mailing lists are terribly important for mm. for podcasts and how you get them, you know, is it's really difficult. So to actually have a relationship with a sponsor who doesn't necessarily give you money or very much mm. money, but who can give you something else, kind, could kind of work, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these, it's sort of Tesco, every little helps, I think, in terms of, you know, we can see immediately if our guest tweets a episode, then our numbers go up straight away um, versus if they don't. And I, we again, I hardly ever, ever ask a guest if they would share on social because I've just you know I know from my first experience I was I feel a bit uncomfortable if I've been interviewed somewhere so I don't see when I see too sort of self-centered um but you know occasionally you do get a guest who's sweet enough to do an Instagram story or whatever and it really does make all the difference so again one of those areas we could probably be a bit more forthright in um so that's really interesting because most people would use guests social accounts uh, you'd expect uh, it's a bit of a quid pro quo because yeah. you, most people don't get paid very much for doing podcasts and if you're punting somebody's latest song or restaurant mm. or, or, or whatever you'd expect a little bit of comeback and there is a sort of a an unwritten uh, 
not contract, but yeah. an r- unwritten rule that you scratch each other's backs. Yeah, yeah. When when that doesn't happen, it is generally because the uh, guests will feel a bit uncomfortable about saying, "Listen to me, yeah, talk about yeah. my such and such." Um, I wonder how how you can get around that. So you just basically just don't expect it at all. No, I mean we'll always tag them in the posts. And and that's the sort of implicit invitation to share it with their audience. Um, and and they don't generally unless you ask them. I would say yeah. On average, I'd say the majority don't. Wow, that's um, really interesting. I'll, yeah. And again, I'm just because that's that's one of the the key points that a lot of people have said on on you know this series of interviews for the book. You know, get some guests, get on great podcasts. You know, just do yeah. it and uh you're saying you don't that's really interesting so your whole attitude is really sort of very laissez-faire yeah. it's very much kind of just put it out there and see what happens yeah yeah laissez-faire or blase or yeah or no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which feels um quite sort of punky uh ollie man used the word punk uh to describe him as the 25 year old podcast pioneer when he first started you know straight out of Ed- edinburgh fringe yeah right um, kind of just going for it and not really knowing what he was doing, but having that kind of punk attitude. Yours feels a little punky too, in that you you're putting it out there. And you don't really care about the result of it. Is is that true? It's not not caring uh, so much as not um, we're not ambitious about. You know, we we check check in on our stats, and we're interested to see when we have a popular episode and some of them surprise oh that surprise that one did so well and can't quite figure out why and but there's no kind of every now and again we'll have so you know was it five years into doing the podcast we said maybe we should set up an instagram you know that's the kind of level of thought process that goes into um the podcast and i think you know if off the back of covid19 our restaurants go south and then i think we'd probably push really hard to make a bit more of the podcast but kind of our attention is mostly on those some of it's on our children and then and wives and if there's any room for attention at the end of the day to like tweet from the podcast account then we'll do that or if we just want to sort of say something catty about something in the restaurant world but hide behind our not but you know not do it from our own accounts it's quite handy (laughs) yeah yeah what keeps you podcasting other than the idea that the restaurants might go south because we're just really fun right? you know we enjoyed talking crap to each other and 99 times out of 100 love meeting new people or having guests who are already mates on and yeah it's just, I just we love doing it i mean we really love doing it in another world it's the a- idea of that just being my job just chatting i would i would absolutely do it in a heartbeat Thanks for listening. You can buy the book How to Start and Grow a Podcast by me, Jilly Smith, featuring all the interviewees in this podcast at any bookshop. We'll go to jillysmith.com and click on the bookshop tab. I'll be back next week with another niche podcaster, folk expert John Wilkes of the Old Songs Podcast on hobby podcasting, building a community and meeting your heroes. I'll see you then. <laughs>